Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Cash rules everything around me. Green get the money. Dollar, dollar bill. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the FPN Fantasy Baseball Podcast, recording on Tuesday, June the 20th. I'm your host, Vlad Sedler. Follow me on RotoGut, at RotoGut on Twitter. Uh, I'm joined today, as you know, I have a wonderful guest every week, and this one is ever more wonderful. Uh, he's one of my favorite people in the industry, hands down. Uh, I grew up in the fantasy space, like, you know, in 10, 15 years ago, uh, when I was first trying to make a name for myself and playing in FBC. Uh, and I grew up really admiring his work, his writing style. Um, and specifically cause I'm just a huge fan of kind of like the absurd humor, like people with really creative imaginations. It's what I really, really love. And so no surprise that he's a, he's a screenwriter by trade and he's one of the most outspoken people in the industry and also a well-respected industry veteran as well. He is the co-founder of Razball and you know him well, I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Gray Albright. What's up, Gray? You made me sound so old, man. <laughs> you grew up admiring me you're you're like six months younger than me man like maybe like maybe like, i don't know your age i don't even know my age and i don't want to talk ages right now but i mean come on you, you grew up <laughs> I, I grew up in the fantasy industry it's the quotation it's the air quotes grew up in you know yeah yeah can, no, we, I grew uh, up in the... can we now can we can we uh tell everyone right now that I am the permanent fill-in host, uh, co-host along with you. Like, no more. It's sorry, official. sorry, Maddie. Sorry, Maddie. No, Maddie has his own show actually Does on it? Mondays. Oh, Maddie's not on your show anymore. No, no, he he is. We just uh, because of our scheduling conflicts, he's now in the central. Uh, he's, he's moved closer <laughs> to Chicago. I'm on oh, the west coast. Oh, oh, so since we're on the same uh, uh, time zone, I see. So your so your qualifications uh, for a co-host or time zone. <laughs> Every anyone in the Pacific. <laughs> time zone is good by me if you know i'm glad and if you're in the pacific time zone if you can pronounce tanner bybee correctly um you're tanner bybee you're in oh man is uh is is that how you say his name that's yeah that's shocking dude yeah (laughs) yeah man i I learned Uh, i'm trying to get better uh, it's good to be here um vlad uh thank you for having me Absolutely. And and for those that don't, make sure you follow him at uh, Razball. It's just at Razball. It's really that simple. Um, so great. Thank you for coming on. And dude, I mean it, you know, like in the beginning of this, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you like in the, what is it? The aughts or whatever it is, like 
20, you know, 2008, 2000, I really remember very well. I remember like being, you know, single guy playing in, you know, these leagues and your articles were one of the ones I would click to because it was like, it just like literally made me laugh out loud. And, and this is really, really funny to me uh, reading your style of, of writing. And so um, I know it doesn't, doesn't come from just anywhere. I know you have a, a history, a background that I, I don't know if many people know about. Um, you know, maybe they've seen some of your tweets lately where, you know, you're out there on the picket lines with the the, the WGA. Um, but if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your um, your history in uh, in in as a writer in Hollywood, I guess. Mm, okay, uh, let's see. How do I make this interesting? Um, so I started in. I guess I started. I would say in Boston. I went to college in Boston. That's where I met Rudy actually at uh, BU um go terriers so we met in boston and then in when i was in boston my senior year i stayed i i started doing stand-up comedy and i stayed in boston for like an extra six months and i started working in uh the entertainment industry i started working as like you know uh uh go get her a coffee uh you know a basic uh, assistant or whatever mm -hmm. so i was i was working in boston and then i was like i i've always wanted to go i've always loved like the idea of la and california and the uh you know the allure the <laughs> the just like the the dream of california i think was always sort of interesting to me i was never really like uh you know i grew up in jersey uh and, and family moved to Long Island when I was in college, but I, I, so I go home to Long Island now, but I grew up in Jersey anyway. So I said to, uh, you know, I, so I said to my family, I was like, I'm going out to LA because I was doing stand up and I wanted to get involved in the entertainment industry. And it was either go to New York or go to LA and New York just seemed, first of all, New York's a struggle when you're already, when you're like right out of college, like it's such like, it's so hard. I don't know if I knew this consciously, but I didn't want the New York, you know, walk, the four story walk up and the like brutal heat of the summer and the brutal cold of the winter. I just didn't want it. You know, I was like, I don't know. And honestly, I don't know if that was a conscious decision or if it was just something like because I grew up on the East Coast, I was like, eh, let me try uh, L.A., <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure how conscious of a decision it was, but I knew I wanted to go into the entertainment industry. So I moved by, out by the LA. way, and I apologize to interrupt. So would you say you were following your gut to Los Angeles? Yeah, you know, because like I was, you know, I was dating a girl at the time and we were, you know, we we had met in college and uh, we were like, you know, we wanted to go somewhere. We didn't want to stay in Boston and she didn't really it didn't really matter where she was going to go. Like she was like she had a job where she could go anywhere. Uh, she was working for a uh, fashion magazine at the time. And, um, yeah. And she was like, sure, let's try LA. And I was like, yeah, LA, let's do yeah. it. So we moved out. We actually moved out and crazily enough, we moved out to LA the same weekend that princess die died. Um, I think that wow. was 90, 98. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the first, so the same weekend that she died, the, that labor day weekend. And I say crazy enough because 
actually my wife, my current wife, <laughs> I only have one. She actually moved out to Los Angeles the same exact weekend as me. And we obviously, we didn't know each other. So that's just like a little random coincidence. Um, anyway. From the East Coast as well? Uh, she moved, she went to Northwestern. She moved from Chicago. Uh, actually, was she in Chicago? Yeah, she was in Chicago. Yeah, so she moved out from Chicago. But still, the same weekend. And we lived kind of near each other in LA, even though, again, we didn't know each other. We didn't know each other uh, for about 10 years, I think. And then we met because I, I then started dating one of her friends and that's how we met. But anyway, that's we're going to do another whole episode. Yeah. That's a different story. Um, I'm only uh, revealing all this because I know she'll never listen to this podcast. <laughs> she, uh, she, she can't even listen to my, the Razzball podcast. Don't take offense. She, so no, she'd anyway, be if it was Maddie Wood, Mondays with Maddie Wood, she probably listens to that. But not this one. She does. She is a big fan of Maddie Wood's productions. <laughs> she loves she loves Maddie Wood. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, we uh, we moved out to L.A. Uh, I remember probably everyone can relate to this. At least I, I think so. So when we moved out to L.A., I remember like me and, and the girl at the time, <laughs> we were like. We're, you know, we're like 21, basically just, you know, six months out of college or whatever. Um, and we get to LA and I think this is probably, it's probably like this for everyone who first moves to LA. We were like, let's go because LA, it's a city. Let's go and move downtown. It's nice. <laughs> just like, if anyone who doesn't know LA, you don't go down. You don't go and live downtown. I mean, now it's a little bit more so, but in the late 90s, it was no like way. it was like tumbleweeds <laughs> and poverty. Like you don't want to, like you're just like you were like looking around, you're like, I don't want to live here. <laughs> I just don't. So then we were like, okay, we can we'll figure out a different situation. Then we we got one of those like um <laughs> apartment finder uh, magazines, and we're going through that for uh we're going through like the classifieds for like apartments because at the time it's like, you don't, you don't really have the internet. <laughs> so it's really like, and we have the Thomas guide. I was going to say you had your Thomas guide. Yeah, yeah. 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 The Thomas guide for people who don't know, that's just, that was a map of LA broken up into like 300 pages. Yeah. <laughs> so, you would get like, so you'd be like, you'd get a, 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 a like someone would say, Oh, we're having a party. It's like, okay, what's your coordinates? <laughs> <laughs> like you write down like the the page that the house of the house party would be on and the coordinates of where to find it. You're like, okay, I gotta. You everyone in LA was like a uh, it was like Magellan basically to get to a party. You're just basically you're navigating the entire city every time you go out, and, it, and there's no rhyme or reason with like the grids. Like in New York, you can figure out your way pretty easily, even if you don't know the city. LA, it's like I don't, yeah. I don't, I still don't know where I'm going in LA without a, without like uh, ways. So anyway, we're um. We go to downtown and we we see we don't want to live there. So then we're like, uh, let's see. We can live over. How about we live in this area, uh, Larchmont? I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, that's we're, fine with me. I don't know the difference. So we go and, uh, and, you know, long story short, I actually, I live like three blocks from where my first apartment is. I like, I, I have not, like, I've wow. moved around L.A., 
but I still live. I, I live now. Like I moved away and like I, I moved into uh, my wife's place for a little while and she lives like she used to live on the edge of Beverly Hills. Um, and now I live now like three blocks from where my original apartment was in LA, which is, you know, it's kind of crazy. Anyway, I, I don't even know how I, I don't know how I got into that story, but that's, that's where we are. Well, so you made it, you made it to LA <laughs> yes. and you were a, a comedy writer. Did you do like odd and end jobs? Like in, you were running. Oh my God. I had so many terrible on? jobs, man. I, I mean, everyone, I'm sure everyone was like this. When you get out of college, you're like, okay, where do I go with my poli sci degree? <laughs> poli sci? Yeah. What? What is it? What even is that? You just like you show up at like it, at the employ the unemployment line. <laughs> as soon as you get out of college, you're like, uh, okay, I guess I'm unemployed now. <laughs> what's what's next? The only person I know who wasn't like that, like Rudy. Honestly, Rudy got out of college and I feel like he got a job immediately. Like he knew exactly like he got a job in New York doing like in the advertising industry. And it was like he had a job, I think, for the the rest of his life. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Like an incredible like nine to five was like always. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I was doing stand up and then I was like, I didn't really want to do stand up anymore. I wanted to do because uh, in L.A., everyone's a. Uh, I don't know if we can curse on this podcast, but everyone's you, you can on occasion. Yes, <laughs> everyone's okay. Everyone's a fucking stand up. Everyone's got like you know. Everyone wants to be an actor or something. I'm like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really like the. And then when I was, I saw like some of my friends at the time who had been stand ups for a while. Like, um, I looked at like their trajectory of their careers, and I'm like, the best. Like the best is, you know, actually, here's an example. Like, you know, R.I.P. Bob Saget, but like he died in a hotel room on the yeah. road doing stand up. Uh, it sounds yeah. awful to me. I mean, so, for some people, they're built to do that. But like the the ultimate goal for me is not being in a hotel room for like 300, 300 nights a week, uh, 300 nights a year. So anyway, um, I I didn't want to do it. I, I honestly I stand up was like. It was okay, but it was, I just didn't like the end goal. So then I just was like, I can write for standups. Like I can write jokes for other people. Why don't I just do that? So that, so then I started doing that. And then I, I went to grad school and I got my, uh, my MFA, my master's in film. And, and then I, uh, and when I was in, when I was in grad school, my mom, you know, I was fortunate enough to not have to take loans <laughs> and my mom, but my mom did say to me, she was like, when you get out of grad school, you're going to have to, it's sink or swim time was basically how it was put to me. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, I get that. And I was fortunate enough to, I sold my first script my last semester of grad school. So I was fortunate enough to like, I was able to go from that directly into what i wanted to do which was uh screenwriting so it was it was i it worked out for me it doesn't work out for a lot of people it's and ladies tough, and gentlemen it's a tough, it's a tough industry but ironically yeah. that script was shawshank redemption so <laughs> yeah Wait, a little different again, than the usual comedy again, used i to. told you i moved out here in 98 i'm not that old shawshank's 94 <laughs> come on man we're gonna Don't talk make some, me older well we're gonna talk some 90s stuff later um so so you did writing for comedians but 
on your like it, there's like this yeah, old actually this is kind of funny not not funny haha funny but um speaking of writing for comedians about i want to say like five years ago now this was already wait this is further along in my career this is rasball's already been established and um kevin hart wanted to buy into rasball like he was he was a fan i i i had worked with Whoa. you know things different different ways into kevin hart but anyway he wanted to get into rasball and i was like well how much money are you gonna buy like how much are you buying in and he was like i'll give you like three tweets a week for 50 percent of the site i'm like no no Whoa. man I'm like, no, bro. I mean, maybe your tweets are worth something, but I'm not doing a tweet deal. Wow. How do you, that's hard. I mean, I'm sure Rudy calculated that in his head right away. And I was like, no. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't even, I don't even know if I took that deal to Rudy. I mean, I'm sure we discussed it at some point, but I mean, that's just like, went, beep, 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 that's what, but that's kind of like where, where you, like, that's, um that's how like Hollywood works though, because you'll get like, a situation where and that's actually it's a good um a good way to bring up the fact that the wga is striking right now and it's like reasons like that is why the strike is important because you get in a situation where you're a writer and people are just like well can you work for like six months for free and i'm like nah man i can't i can't work for free i'm sorry yeah there's a i mean I feel like that's a, that's a whole, I mean, we could, we could talk about that forever. I wanted to mention, by the way, every time, so I live in um, a city that's close to Universal Studios and sometimes we're like driving to the park and, or even when we're in the city, you know, dropping kids, kids off at school, whenever I drive by any studios and this is like a month, month and a half into it, into the strike, people are still out there. They're still like motivated, like, you know, there's so much energy still. And I couldn't imagine striking for like a month plus and still having the same sort of like, you know, bigger, I understand, you know, the, the, you know, the, the stress of, of their situation and the cause and everything is so very important. But at some point I feel like you get dejected, um, kind of going in day in and day out and they're still going strong. It's pretty impressive to see. Yeah. There was also, that was the, the, the strike in 08 was actually how I started Rasball. That was, that was the impetus to start Rasball. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I did because I've done my 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 history on you. That was oh, okay, be... okay, you, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know you read the wiki. The wiki, but yeah, yeah, I um, I was working with um, the Zucker brothers, uh, the guys who did the airplane naked gun movies, and I was uh, I was writing a script for them, and then it like everything came to a halt because of the strike. So I was like walking in a in a circle in front of cbs studios at the time i lived over by cbs but it was uh i was walking in a circle real a real slow circle it was like a uh it was like a real slow nascar race just walking mm -hmm. in a circle <laughs> doing the strike right and then i was like this is you know it was it was like i couldn't do screenwriting I couldn't do anything really that I like I wanted to do. And then I was like, ah, I mean, I've always loved fantasy baseball. So I guess I could start a website. <laughs> That's how naive it was. Like Amazing. it was literally that naive. And I didn't even tell Rudy at the time. Like I remember like I did it for like, I don't know, maybe six months. It was like just me writing fantasy baseball thoughts to like it was basically me writing a like a journal <laughs> like it was just like me writing to myself about this is like, what year 
it was 08, 06? I believe. Yeah, 07, 08. Because I, uh, yeah, it was 08. It was actually, uh, it was during the last strike. I think it was 08. Um, maybe okay. it was 07. Uh, anyway, so I was doing it. I was, I started Razzball and I was just writing basically to myself nonsense. <laughs> and then, like, maybe six months in, I told because Rudy and I were in a league together and I, and you know, we're best friends as well, but we were in a league. And so I knew he liked fantasy baseball. So I was like, just so you know, I started doing this thing and he was, it got him excited. And I was like, well, yeah, if you want to like, you know, if you want to participate in, in some way, like you can add content. I don't, I don't care. And he always, he was much more esoteric about the whole thing where he was like, I kind of want to do a, a study on how bad the ESPN player rater is. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> go for it, man. I just want to write jokes. And but it's it's a perfect blend, I think, uh, because you guys are. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the you know, the, the the two halves that that fit Nick a whole. You guys are really different in a lot of ways, and it's funny that you guys are brought together and such good friends. Rudy's obviously he's, he's, he's funny too, but he's very more uh, math based, a quant, so um, as he calls himself, and you're more the creative humor guy, and it just blends. It, it works out really well. Um, so that that's pretty cool. But yeah. So you, um, but by the way, this is just, if you're saying 08, 09, didn't your like whole beef with like the world's most famous, uh, person in fantasy happen like 09. So you like rose to prominence that quickly that you were asked. Yeah. To... You know what I was, <laughs> see th that was uh, Matt. You're talking about the uh, argument I had with Matthew Berry. Um, yes. I, if that's I, okay to bring up here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. I don't care. I, I and I'm sure he doesn't care. Um, well, I think he probably still holds a grudge like 14 years later, to be honest. <laughs> Supposedly, I've never actually talked to him, but um, I've I've heard he's still uh, not a fan of Razzball because of that, <laughs> which is honestly, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, I interviewed Matthew Berry for like, they were going around. This is how long ago, like 09 in internet, terms is like you know it's like a uh it's like a generation ago because like at the time he was doing fantasy baseball for espn and lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus he was going around like ESPN contacted me and they were like, Hey, do you want to interview uh, Matthew Berry? 
for your site as like a way to promote us. <laughs> it was like a way to promote ESPN, you know, huh. so like to get the word out about ESPN. And I was and, like, and you said, and you said, let me show you my friend, my, my colleague's uh, article on your player reader. I'm sure that <laughs> yeah. went over well. No, but it's so funny though, because of how little that these guys like really are in any way, like, you know, they're, they're just like in a job that they don't want to do. I mean, by the, by that, I mean the people who are working for ESPN, not Matthew Berry necessarily, but the, like the people who reached out to me, like they're just like in a job that they're just like, whatever, like he wants to go talk to people. Okay. I'll reach out to a few sites. I don't like, I'll just Google something maybe like they, they had no clue what they were getting into. Like they didn't know that I didn't like ESPN and I had like, like a bone to pick they did no <laughs> so, research yeah, they, the did, they did no research or the research left out a vital piece of the puzzle which was i'm gonna roast them <laughs> so i so i basically and then like deadspin was not a terrible website at the time and then deadspin picked up like the fact that we roasted him we roasted matthew berry in an interview and you know, then it became a bigger thing than I even expected. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a thing. I, I just, you know, I was just goofing kind of. I didn't really, I don't have any real animosity towards these people. I mean, it's like, it is what it is. I don't care. Um, you know, I was just kind of goofing and then it became something else. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. It's a long I mean, time. I'm, I just read, I mean, you know, I, I, so I have my fun and light side and then I also have like this, I don't know what it is like this like kind of professionalism that like when sometimes things get a little awkward to me and I just went back and read it and it was the most like it, it was hilarious and uncomfortable at the same time because like oh man like he literally like even the words like he was so not wanting to be there and then like yeah I don't know man they're like that's the like, funny thing is too like it's funny you get that it's funny you get that from that because like my favorite like my favorite comedian of all time is probably Andy Kaufman and I love like the uncomfortable humor mm -hmm. like I I love making people uncomfortable <laughs> which is not really I mean that's not really like a great <laughs> quality to have because <laughs> like we'll get in situations like and i'll just be like you know making people uncomfortable and it's like that's not really that's not really great for a business necessarily but the good thing is with fantasy sports it's like everyone's kind of a goof anyway <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's not really like like it would be one thing if i was trying to like pass myself off as like you know a uh a, a a smart person to go to for like stock advice or something, but it's like, it's baseball. I know baseball and the whole, like the whole reason I even started Rasball originally was like, I saw there was an, an area for me where I could be like funny and fantasy sports isn't something necessarily that you have to take serious because like, you know, people do it as fun like this is an this is an escape for people like mm -hmm. i understand some people want the escape and they also want to win and they want they want the best knowledge and it's like that's cool i, I mean that. that's that's totally fine i get that i want to win too like i'm very competitive i actually for the fantasy space 
I feel like I'm really built. I'm built well for fantasy sports because I really am competitive when it comes to like nonsense. Like I'm like the, I'm the most competitive person for like total, like, like board games. Like I get crazy about board games, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so it's like, so this whole element of like wanting to win, like I get the wanting to win thing, but I also understand it's kind of just supposed to be fun. Like this is all supposed to be fun. Like this is a a fantasy sports is not, it's not life or death here. It's like a a break from your regular job and you're looking at your teams and you're like, you know, you're cursing that Christian Carcion strand isn't called up yet. And you you hate your, and it's like, you hate your pitching staff because like, you know, Lance Lynn is like staring at you on your screen. Like I get all that. Like I get, I get the humor did, in like the madness of baseball, but did you I bench him love, for his I also love baseball. Like you can't, I don't think you can get to where I am and, and fake your love for baseball mm. or no. fantasy. By the way, did you, did you bench Lance Lynn in our, Oh, totally. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah, man. no, you had to bench him. I don't what even do feel, feel bad about that because like, if you didn't bench him for that, for that two week start, a, he still had like a five plus ERA over those two starts. So let's not like, let's put aside the strikeouts, but he had a, he still had terrible ratios and he's been so awful that if you didn't start him, you're just, you're into basically S and M and you, you enjoy torturing yourself. Like you, you have a, a deep seated evil, like in your core, you want to, you want to hate yourself. If you started Lance Lynn for those two starts. <laughs> Unbelievable! But, how that, my, but I, but I honestly, I couldn't imagine a worse outcome that he's like throws sixteen strikes. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Um. I yeah. just, by the way, uh, great. I just have to like this sent this here. I, I don't, I didn't even know what to feel because I, I remember reading this maybe ten years ago. Your, your interview with Matthew Barry, but then I look back and it says, and and you start with. You were talking about something about hate mail, and then you say, "Let's say we're close friends." Matthew <laughs> says, "I find this hard to believe already, but go ahead." You say, "What? No rapport? Is it my breath? Should I return to the brown nosing?" Matthew Barry, "It's quite all right. Just go ahead." <laughs> so, he was really like, honestly, the funny thing is, like, even at like at the time, I I was like, I mean, honestly, even looking back on it, it was like I was I was giving it to him, but. He was also at the time, even he was probably the top fantasy guy, even then. And he has like put his claws into that <laughs> job. And he is not, he is not let you know, he's like, he, he moved to, he moved away from ESPN, obviously. But you know what? It really kind of like, it, it got to me a little bit that like he would not promote Rasball in any way. Like there was, it was like, it was basically me promoting ESPN. Not ESPN doing like a symbiotic, like, let's promote mm-hmm. you. Well, we'll promote you and you promote us. It wasn't that. Like, don't get me wrong. I was honestly, I was still like, you know, a, I was a complete newbie and I didn't, I didn't really earn the respect of like getting promoted, I guess, but it's still nice to take someone who is new to a uh, new to a field and to prop them up a little bit. None of that. There was literally, it was like, I'm not going to help you in any way. Good luck on your journey, Razball. And I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to promote us, I'm going to give you shit. (laughs) Sorry. 
And then the Deadspin article, probably you, 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 you probably have a lot of your uh, subscriber base like came from that actually too. It was, it was kind of like make a, a roundabout way. Somebody read that article, loved it, or it, like your style of humor. And now they're yeah. in your, your customers. But, for. But it's so, it was also like, in a way it worked out well uh, because like it isn't fantasy. It, it wasn't fantasy necessarily. It wasn't like, oh, this guy is the best of fantasy. So let's follow him. But it did. It, it wasn't a way uh, good for us because it showed us. It showed people who weren't familiar with us exactly who we were. Like it was like like we weren't hiding behind like anything with that. It was like oh these guys are gonna be they're they're like somewhat like you know they're gonna be a bit of an asshole to ESPN. I'm now that either that could turn some people off. Like there's people mm -hmm. who would see that and be like. I don't want to have anything to do with that. But there's other people who'd be like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool to me. That's that's interesting. I yeah. I want to know what else is out there. Like I am kind of sick of like what ESPN is doing." So, yeah. I mean, it was just it was uh it was kind of good. It was good, I think. I think it was more good than bad, but mm -hmm. you know. Oh, I mean, here you are standing here 15 years later. Yeah. Huh? I yeah, I and I don't want to give uh, it, it uh, too much credit. I mean, there's been a lot of work along the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's that was one piece, but it, mm -hmm. yeah, it was probably a helpful piece. Uh, pivoting real quickly back to your screenwriting days, there is something on. It was like a a Reddit or something that you did years ago, and you had mentioned something. I, I want to really know this story. You mentioned that you wrote jokes for Bobby Brown. <laughs> No, no, I didn't the write singer, jokes for him. Bobby Brown? No, I, I, no, I. Okay, so here's the story. I'll make it real quick because I've told the story on the uh, the Rasball podcast already a few times, uh, and you know, people who are familiar with uh, me are going to be like, "Oh my God, is this his only story." <laughs> but anyway, I'll say real fast. So at the time, uh, Bobby Brown and Little Kim were doing a sitcom. No, they were doing a, a movie. That was a direct ripoff of the barbershop movies. Do you remember the barbershop movies? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So they wanted to, so they were like, let's do barbershop, but in a girl salon. Uh, it's like, wow, that's a, a real stretch. You guys are really coming up with interesting stuff. So anyway, I was friends with the guy who was um, a, uh, a, I was, I was friends with the guy who was directing, writing and, and directing that. And he was friends with Praz from the Fugees. And Praz, which is kind of interesting because Praz right now, I think, is going to jail for a long time. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I was really like, and it's sort of like around that time when I was in with Praz, like the time when when he was getting money from, uh, he was stealing money, I think, from like uh, a guy in China, I want to say. <laughs> It's a really, it's a complicated story. I, yeah, actually, I just read it lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning. There's a book about it. I've been meaning to read the book. I haven't yet, but I've, I kind of lived through it because I, I did a bunch. I did like seven projects for Bras. So I was kind of surprised that I wasn't even, I wasn't called to testify during. All oh boy. <laughs> but anyway, so Bras had. He was like, I want to do the, uh, the, the hair salon movie. And I, I and will you do the sitcom version of that? Because I want to do like a, a you know because when the movie's popular as his as, in his brain he thought this movie was going to be popular. 
<laughs> it was like when it's a when it's a popular when it's a smash hit in the movie theaters. I want to have a TV show to back up <laughs> to have ready to go like once we have like a popular movie and i was like okay this is nonsense but you know what if you're paying me i'll you're do it me. so so basically he was like uh, he hired me to write the sitcom version of the bobby brown little kim movie and so i'd go to the set and i because at the time the movie wasn't even made yet like they were filming the movie so i'd go to the set and watch like the movie getting made uh, with Bobby Brown and Lil Kim, and you know, and, and none of them are really actors. <laughs> so bad, <laughs> so bad. Um, that wasn't even my that wasn't even like my worst experience with pros, but that was one of them. <laughs> so anyway, so we went go, so uh, we went to the uh, the set, saw Bobby Brown and uh, Lil Kim uh, doing these scenes, and it was like, oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> So then Bobby Brown sees me and he's like, Hey man, you want to, uh, you want to come back to my hotel and play dominoes? I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to do that with Bobby Brown. So I ended up going back to, uh, it was at the, uh, the Hermitage, which you might know in, uh, Beverly Hills. We go nice to the, spot. yep. Is a, uh, we're in the suite top floor of the Hermitage. Probably. I want to say like, Twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a night, like an insane suite. So I'm there with Praz and Bobby Brown, and we're playing dominoes. They're getting high. I I didn't smoke anymore. I I smoked in college, and then I stopped smoking out of college. Uh, anyway, so they're getting high. We're playing dominoes, and Bobby's Bobby's like, "How about I call Whitney and we go out dancing?" I'm like, "Absolutely." I'm gonna dance <laughs> with somebody. Hell yeah. <laughs> do that absolutely you, you don't say out. no to those things yes i was like absolutely you want to call whitney and let's go out dancing <laughs> i was like okay amazing so then we go so bobby uh, so bobby's like all right all right deal so we make a plan and uh, and i get i remember i got there i got there so early and i was half expecting them to stand me up but you know what i was i was wrong they did not stand me up so i was i was outside the club it was on uh, it was on Santa Monica Boulevard. It was actually by Boys Town, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a gay club. But it was it was in the uh, West Hollywood area. Anyway, so we go. Um, so we're I'm standing out the outside the club, and like seven black SUVs pull up, and I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? How many people did they bring? <laughs> and it's like seven seven black SUVs. Six of them are totally empty. And then there's one with Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston. <laughs> like, whoa. I was like, Bobby, what's with the, I'm like, oh, so they introduced, so I get introduced to Whitney. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? She's like, honestly, I, you don't want to talk bad about, you know, the dead, but yeah. she was, she was so zonked out of her mind. I was yeah. like, Hey Whitney, how's it going? And she was like, cool. I'm like, oh man, she was so, she was really gone. But anyway, she, she like, didn't ask you about Ricky Nolasco's uh, projections for the second half. <laughs> Yes, yes. She was like, "What's up with his ex fip He's supposed to be better." <laughs> so I, I say to Bobby, "I'm like, Bobby, what's up with all the SUVs, man?" He's like, "Yo, he's like, yo. When Whitney and I go out, there's so much paparazzi. We got to take seven, <laughs> seven SUVs. They can't find just, us just to give them like just to give them the dip." And I'm like, "Really?" I'm like looking around. I was like, "I don't think there's any paparazzi here, bro." <laughs> There's, no, there's like no one around. It's like literally, it's like a club of me, Bobby, and Whitney. <laughs> so we go in, 
and it's it's still early but eventually it starts to fill in a little bit with like people and bobby brown is just like he's on the dance floor housing every girl whitney's (laughs) sitting in the in the corner looking zonked hanging out with like some some girls i don't i don't want to say i don't want to say what girls but i mean it was just it was a scene where it's like they're not really together are they and that was Mm -hmm. just like literally like maybe three hours of of like one night with them and i could already tell i was like yeah i don't i don't think they're really together and um and then bobby brown and and whitney did the uh this is probably like oh five uh, I want to say, I don't know exactly. I, I, I could be wrong in the year, but then like literally within six months, they started doing like the duty bubble Bravo show. I don't know if you remember that uh, mm-hmm. being, being, being Bobby Brown, I think was the name yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so then they started doing that and, you know, he had a little bit of heat and, but people still were not interested in him in a sitcom. <laughs> So that was the end of that. And anyway, that's uh, that was pretty much the whole story. Like well, he you got just, paid. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got paid by Pros. Yeah. I got paid by Pros for like two years. It was like <laughs> Pros, Pros, and then Pros would like set me up with like, uh, like Tricky. I don't know if you know the uh, the rapper. The rapper, yeah. Yeah, Tricky. yeah, Tricky. Yeah, like they were friends somehow. So Tricky then had money, and he was like, "Yo." I want to do like movies too. And I was like, sure, man, if you're, if you're I'm your paying, man, I'm yeah, your man. Yeah. So that was a, it was a little, you know, that's like, that's like Hollywood though for you. It's like, you never know like where, where certain things are going to take you, you know, like I was um at the time, like my manager, I was working with uh like I had the same manager as Nick Cannon. So he would put me, like with Nick Cannon, like, and that was when he was doing like wilding out. I so went I would to a go... studio taping of that, by the way, randomly. Some random oh my god, I was probably there, like writing insane. jokes on the side while you were at the wilding out taping. You were in that. You, you wrote for that? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I would. Yeah, no, because it was supposed to be quote unquote improv, mm-hmm. but they weren't doing nothing improv. <laughs> It was very clearly, at least to me, like not, you know, not completely uneducated uh, eye in in the world of comedy and improv. Like it was not fully improv. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, they would be like, yeah. So I would would be standing off to the side, like doing jokes for uh, Nick Cannon. And then that, that led to like Mike Epps and, and then Mike Epps led to Cat Williams and then Cat Williams led to Kevin Hart. So that was, so for a long time, I was just doing a lot of like black comedian jokes. Like that was like, and but, but in the middle of that was like pros. I was, cause I also like growing up, like I always was into hip hop and I, I, you know, I, I always felt like more akin <laughs> like mm-hmm. with, you know, I was like always had all black friends and it was just like, it felt like me uh, that, that felt that suited me. So it was like, in some ways, I, like my Hollywood, like, writing went in the direction it was supposed to go in some ways because that was like as natural as it was for me to do that and then it was natural for me to do rasball too in a lot of ways because i was you know i was doing my other love like besides comedy my other love is baseball so it's like that it's i've always been like a huge baseball fan speaking of that i don't know how we can possibly pivot from that into talking about Austin Riley 
how awful he's been <laughs> and AJ Puck on the IL. Um, and, and I don't want to pivot so much because this is like more interesting, Honestly, but you had in the uh, in, in, like one thing though, like how is like uh, you mentioned Austin Riley, which he has been bad for sure, and um, and AJ Puck, AJ Puck's actually been pretty good if it wasn't you know, if it wasn't for the injury, but. Whatever happened with Tyler O'Neill? Did he get like like I feel like there's something going on with like Ali Marmal that is like he just didn't he didn't like Tyler O'Neill from the jump and he just like put him in the doghouse to never return, right? Like it, I don't think it has anything to do with an injury anymore. Like Tyler O'Neill, I feel like has just in the doghouse. Like so, yeah. I mean, I I feel like you know on those uh, fantasy news sites like where it's like oh. Uh, Byron Buxton, and then in parentheses, it says like back or something. It should say like Tyler O'Neill, and then in parentheses, doghouse. Yeah. Like, what happened with Tyler O'Neill? Like, there's no way he's injured this long. Like, he literally he got put on the IL because his personality didn't mesh with Ollie. And now he's just like, they're waiting to trade him. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time this podcast drops like he's traded because it doesn't make any sense at all that he would be out this long. I don't I've know. Been, man. Great. So I've been calling for this. I've been talking about it for months because I'm heavily invested in Tyler O'Neill. who was like my dude. I'm like, okay, last year was the off year. We saw what he was capable of in 21. He's like a, you know, going in the 75, 90 overall range. I'm in, even if the batting average isn't fantastic, I'm going to get all that he can give. And yeah, it is just such a bad pairing with Marmol. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Clearly doesn't like him. We've been talking about free, you know, he's ton, T-O-N, ton, free ton for, for the last few months. Yeah. But there has to be something key. I mean, it can't be just that because, I mean, 60-day IL, like, and he's hurting himself and his possibilities of, of making more money in a career. Um, and he's a dedicated dude, you know, hardworking, uh, you know, Canadian, super powerful athlete. I don't know what the Canadian part is to do, but you know what I mean? Just, um, and yeah. there's something like, it, it, there's obviously something not right. And he had that one comment. I think he was like the one guy that fought back because if you notice, there's a really a trend with Ollie Marmo, like throwing his dudes under the bus, like Wilson Contreras signs a new contract just craps on him like and he oh just, that's good actually that would be good tyler o'neill parentheses under the bus under you, I <laughs> that's, mean, it's that's, very... even, that's even better than doghouse yeah no i i hear you man i i feel like it's like get get behind me and we're gonna go i i mean i'm being ali marmal at this point uh get behind me and we're gonna go or 
get out because <laughs> you're if you're not behind me you're out like and he's empowered by you know obviously the jam mazeliak and like this this group that they have too much control but they're kind of like running a you know like a pirate ship you know yeah. like it just feels like the wrong ownership and and it's it's very clear in their record uh whenever i post anything like silly about the cardinals a lot of my content on twitter seems to be cardinal based not by design it's just mm -hmm. like they're a situation right now, right? Like, you know, like Mike, the situation from Jersey Shore, they are a situation at the moment. Yeah. And the Cardinals fans, they're eating it up because, I mean, they're pissed. I mean, I would be too. This is a storied franchise. You have Goldschmidt and Arenado as the base. You're supposed to always have good pitching at a good pitching park. You have you know, storied history. And you're watching like the Reds potentially like way ahead of your last place in the damn division like what's going yeah, on so, no yeah. definitely and it's a, a totally winnable division too so i yeah i hear you man i think like like i was saying on rasball the other day like when hicks went three games in a row and got a save three games in a row i was like i almost feel like marmal was doing that hoping that he would like fail the third time like it was like who throws someone three games in a row <laughs> it's like why would like it doesn't like because they have Galagas, uh, Galagas, uh, Giovanni Gallegos, Gallegos excuse me, I'm, well, Jordan I'm, Hicks. Now I can't say anyone's name, but I I can I can say Hicks. But yeah, I mean it's just like it. I I just feel like he's I don't know, man. Like he almost feels like his own worst enemy. He being Ali Marmol, like it feels like he is just. Like he doesn't know when to get out of the way almost like it's, it's like at the, in the major league level, I almost feel like the less you do, the more you're revered as a genius, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's like, just take a step back, man. Like, it's like, you have a team as like with the Cardinals where they could probably win that division by doing nothing. Like, just like, they just need to like perform up to their uh, talent level. But yeah, they're, they're, they're a mess, and I think it starts with him. I think Marmol. I think he's got to go, man. <laughs> I hate him. It's a long time. It's a long time coming. Well, it's him and it's Moselliak. Those dudes. They yeah. They need to go. <laughs> By the way, no surprise. Like so, this is so funny. This is like no surprise. Like having having you on. I just knew that there were like we have like so many different things and like kind of only like an hour, hour fifteen to squeeze it in. But I just kind of knew that we were going to go off like the rails, the different subjects. There's you know different things I wanted to cover. As a matter of fact. My gardeners came early. So now I got like this, you know, blowing. They had other gardeners earlier. So it's just been absolute like, you know, insanity. But having you on, man, this has been, uh, this has been fantastic. There are a few other things I wanted to, uh, to talk to you about. Specifically, this whole thing about like speedless bats. And, and we're looking specifically at guys like Jose Abreu, Josh Bell, uh, guys that, I mean, highly drafted. We understood that in you know going into the season the guys that don't steal bases at all there was going to be an issue with uh with them and their values because they're essentially probably only contributing to like three categories uh, i mean like right now a and bell on your player raider both those guys are beyond uh pick uh, beyond 400 overall on the player raider hitters and pitchers included guys like rowdy telez jake cronenworth isn't stealing much carlos correa Hino suarez those guys are all like 250 plus like they're kind of worthless in fantasy now so i'm thinking about draft about next season and i know it's a little early to be thinking about that but like i mean don't you think we might as an industry be sort of super sensitive and like push these guys heavily down that don't steal bases like do you think there's gonna be like a major market overcorrection like what would what would you do what do you think we would do 
Um, you know, I've always been like under like I feel like the the number one thing you can do uh, when you're drafting bats, at least, is like try and get a five category uh, performer. So, for, for at first base, that becomes difficult. Obviously, there's not a ton of them. Uh, so with like Abreu and Josh Bell specifically, you know, I think they're gonna get they're gonna get buried. I think Abreu is old. I think Bell has he has major ground ball issues. I just, I never really bought into any of these guys that you're talking about, except for Telez. Telez I thought could be better. And he's been really slumping. I think it's been like almost a month now uh, since he's had like a home run, something like that. Like, I think he has like one run. He scored one run, I think in like the last like 17 games or something, something bizarre like that. So he's been really slumping. So specifically about like those guys, Abreu and Josh Bell, I don't really like in in like specifics. Uh, Tellus, I kind of like, but as like a corner man, utility play just for like power and maybe if you get lucky, a little bit average, but not even like Tellus is really just about like uh, power. And Correa, I always felt like Correa was so overrated because of like the 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 real baseball talk on Correa is like there's a lot of it. There's a lot of talk about like, oh, you know, like he's gonna be a Med or he's gonna be a Padre or wherever he was gonna sign or a Giants, Giants, Mets. Like there's all these places Correa was gonna sign, and he was getting a lot of publicity during like the off season where I, I always felt like he was gonna be overrated because of that because like that was for his glove and his arm. And for real baseball, whereas like with fantasy, Correa's never really been a great fantasy guy. Like at best, he's been like top 75 on the player rater when he would have like a good average and hit like, you know, 25-ish homers and have good counting stats. But he never chipped in any speed. So I've always felt like Correa was overrated. And then you have like, you know, so whether or not I'm going in on guys that will be like not necessarily, uh, you know, steals guys. It will depend. To be honest, it's like it. It all depends on like your draft uh, build. Like if your build is looking like a situation where you can carry a guy like a Correa, and he falls much later than he was, then okay, maybe I get in on Correa finally. But I've really never been interested. So I I would say. I could see myself drafting a four category guy, but it's really going to come down to draft build more than, and and it'll come down to the specific player more than whether I'm going to, you know, in a general sense, whether or not I'm going to avoid guys who don't give any speed. Like in, in general, I want to avoid guys who don't give speed, but specifics. Yeah. I could see myself drafting one of them if they're at the right place in drafts, but Correa specifically, I wouldn't be shocked to see him next year still be overdrafted because for whatever reason, people love Carlos Correa in like fantasy. Like I don't necessarily understand why. Like he has, he's barely been a push on fantasy value and sometimes like a push, most times just overrated. Like he's never really, you know, given back uh his fantasy value at all and then yeah like abreu is just old <laughs> he's just old yeah. man i don't know you know yeah i mean that's kind of i mean that's kind of what i was 
thinking. Um, I, it, I, I feel like I've been talking a lot more this season about the separation between real life players and fantasy players. And, and Carlos Curry definitely f- fills that bucket because he is so good defensively, but of course, because he, you know, he does, he's not excessive in any specific category, right? I mean, he's not really a 35 home run guy. He's, you know, he hits for good average, but not elite. Uh, so also yeah, I mean, with him, sorry, not to interrupt, but with Correa specifically, I feel like a lot of that was Scott Boris, like pushing a free agent to get as much money as he could. And because Boris has so many of the major sports writers in his pocket that you have a guy who's like, you know, like John Heyman or Keith uh, or Keith, uh, excuse me, Ken Rosenthal or, or uh, Passan, you have all those guys who are like, they have such big reaches, so they're able to push this like huge thing, this huge narrative about Correa that makes it like to the average fantasy player. You know, like the player that the player who doesn't check in until like March, like that person hears all off season about Correa's like you know he's where he's signing and how much he's signing for, and that gets so like built into his fantasy price, even though it shouldn't, but it does, it gets built into that price. And then people are drafting him at like, you know, this outrageous spot in drafts. And you're like, wait, isn't he a 25 270 hitter at best? Like Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's fine In, in certain, like in certain leagues, that's fine. Like that's not terrible, but it's not good where he was getting drafted at it wasn't good there and he's never, and he's, and that's what he's always done. Like he's never really been like, you know, like even Alex Bregman, who I didn't necessarily like, even he had one huge year, like Carlos Correa never really had that like insane year. He had, he had good years. Don't get me wrong. Like he had definitely like valuable years, but never like an insane year. Like he was always like, okay, he's good. I mean, he's, fine but never mm-hmm. never was going to be like 30 homer 15 steel 280 hitter that was never happening he was never yeah. like he, he just doesn't run very fast like he's he's a legitimately slow guy <laughs> you are you want to play a little game of a uh, little speed round game that i have put together yeah sure uh all right so this is kind of a <laughs> mix of, of of different things here uh, I mean, I know we're more, maybe more eighties kids, but this is a little bit more nineties. Um, and then a little baseball mixed in. So a little, a little game I put together, trying to, trying to get my best creative brain going when I have such a creative guest, uh, here appearing with me, I need to kind of step up my game. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, maybe I can write jokes for you one day. Mm. Um, but so I'm going to just fire it off and just tell me what you think here. You can go into explanation as well. If you want my first question to you, uh, Mr. Gray, Framber Valdez of the Astros or Kevin Gosman of the blue Jays on your fantasy team for the rest of the season, your horse, you're going to ride into the sun, sun, sunlight, sun <laughs> set to win your league. Yeah. One, one of those, uh, I will say that's actually pretty close. Like I liked both of them coming into the year. I won't go, I won't go into a long diatribe about either of them. I'll just say I'm going Gaussman, but it's close. Okay. Uh, Rank these five movies from your favorite to your least favorite. Edward Scissorhands, Groundhog's Day, Days and Confused, Friday, and The Birdcage. Try to really get out there with them. <laughs> wow, those are uh, pretty disparate uh, movies. I'll say... Uh, and you've seen them all. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've okay. seen them. I, you know, Groundhog's Day is like, I think Groundhog's Day is honestly, it's kind of a masterpiece. <laughs> honestly, it's it's a really difficult because I know um, I won't I won't go too far into the story, but I had a similar project that I was working on, and Groundhog's Day is really like that's a tough nut to crack. Uh, as a writer, it's really like I've read the script for Groundhog's Day numerous times. It's really it wasn't really funny, to be honest. Bill Murray made it funny, mm-hmm. but it's a it, but it's a masterpiece. Groundhog's Day is really like incredible movie. Days and Confused isn't far behind. Then I'll say uh, Friday, Birdcage. And I didn't I'm not really a big Tim Burton guy. Edward says her hands. OK, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm just not. It's just not my thing, really. You know, what's funny is like, for whatever reason, like Days Confused, good movie at all, but it's not one of my favorites. It's, it's mm. not one of those from, from my age group. Like it was like a kind of huge cult following. It just wasn't as much for me. I loved, uh, obviously Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, Birdcage. Um, Friday is my favorite. Cause that's the, that's the movie that, you know, we all went to see in the theaters multiple <laughs> times in the middle mm-hmm. of, you know, high school days, you know, we're yeah. first, you know, discovered weed, everything. Um, Groundhog's I Day, was, uh, I was, ri- I was supposed to write for Chris Tucker, I don't. I don't know if I should say it. Well, no one's listening. <laughs> no one's, yeah, just no, one, no one's gonna. I'll dish. small. A small dish. That's not. I. It, it's not the nicest thing to say. But uh, I was supposed to write for Chris Tucker, and I, and the guy uh, who who I was supposed to write it for, like the producer, is like he he can't read. <laughs> I was like, oh. real, like, like really, like, like can at all? And he's like, no. I was like. And then I was How does like, "Do he do script? How does he memorize script?" I know. I think he. Ju- I think he just goofs. To be honest, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, so I don't want to like bag on him. But yeah, nobody's yeah, nobody's. You're, this isn't gonna. This isn't <laughs> gonna be like you know Matthew Berry yeah, part two here. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you know, if you know, we made it big. Is so if if Matthew Berry follow, unfollows me on Twitter because I had you on the show, <laughs> then we know that people are listening. That listening. That's a, see, that's the kind of thing where it's like he still doesn't follow Rasball, like. I don't know what is this 13 years later mm-hmm. i mean come on like honestly like talk about someone who's like i feel like there's certain and this isn't just matthew barry by the way i think in fantasy in general there's a lot of people who don't want to see other people succeed <laughs> like and i'm and i i mean like like in fantasy like in the industry i mean like because mm-hmm. it's very it's very competitive like and i get it like if I like, I think a lot of people look at it like if he succeeds, then I'm not succeeding and, and I want to win the league and I want to be the best website and I want to do this. Like, I feel like that's a big part of fantasy in general. Yeah. Like, like people don't promote other people in fantasy. It's not well, it's it's hard. It's hard to find people to promote. It de- uh, I guess yeah. it depends. It's also depends. Like, yeah, I mean, we'll kind of have our worlds, but I I think there's a fraction of our uh, our industry that i think does a pretty good job of that right i mean there are we do have There's at least some. compared to like football right but there are a lot of really good eggs and i think in our in our industry community oh, i feel like totally. it's gotten better yeah no no ways. totally no i agree i i think there are some but i think there's a lot of people at the top in fantasy that are just like mm-hmm. you know they don't they don't want to give up the the throne like they don't want to like you know hand it off to other people i don't know maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's just me this is this will be a little in undercover investigation that we'll get going for uh, for the next time that we have you on. I, I didn't want to mention that for whatever reason. So I, I feel like when I was a kid watching all these movies, like I kind of liked everything. 
But for whatever reason, um, what stood out to me is I really didn't like Funny Farm with Chevy Chase and and, <laughs> and Andy McDowell, who happens to be in Groundhog Day as well. I just recall, <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something about Andy McDowell I just don't like. <laughs> and that movie, I mean, and I always like Chevy Chase and everything, but that kind of like j- just kind of changed things around to me for me. And it actually turns out it was like you know, one of the biggest dicks in Hollywood. Um, you know, so yeah, but, suppose yeah, suppose, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that, but yeah, supposedly Chevy Chase is supposed to be an asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've oh, heard so, I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, and then I mean, well, we can go down the rabbit hole, but I have more speed round questions for you, and then we also oh, got, yeah, go ahead. got to set our lineups for Tuesday. Uh, for those of you in daily leagues, okay, Reds or Bra- Brewers or other to win the NL Central? Uh, I'm going to say the Brewers. I really don't. I don't think the Reds have the uh, the arms necessarily. I mean, I like that from a real baseball standpoint. I like that they shut down Hunter Green for a little while. I think it it probably is going to help them in the long run to have him like you know take a two week sabbatical. But I don't think that and and the Reds Park. It's almost like core central like it's really a hard park to pitch in so i i worry that i don't think the reds are going to be able to to deal with their with the arms that they have i don't think they're going to be able to hang with the brewers especially if they get back woodruff in a you know in whenever after the all-star break maybe who knows i don't, I don't mm-hmm. know when he's coming back but i think the brewers might have better arms and yeah, I I mean not really like a I, I I'm not I wouldn't put money on it, but I think the Brewers are probably still my favorite there. If forced to hear one song on repeat entire weekend nonstop, so that starts Friday afternoon till Sunday afternoon, and it's just in your head the whole time, Aqua's Barbie Girl or the Macarena. Just imagine uh, both. Which yeah. you had to have one. I, 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 Oh man, I I I you know I love both of these songs. Obviously, <laughs> which one let's would you less bar- likely let's go? go? Barbie, let's go, Barbie. Let's go party. Uh Barbie party. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, had to go. Uh. Bar- I had to go Barbie party. Barbie. Which one girl. will cause you less to go like take like a, a ship little submarine thing down to the t- see the Titanic? <laughs> Too soon. Is, uh, that is like that is you're basically describing uh Gitmo right now. <laughs> Barbie, you want to hear Barbie girl or Macarena? Hey, uh, hey, guy from uh Hezbollah, do you want to hear Barbie girl or Macarena? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> okay. I want I, I'd take Barbie girl, but okay, I, I think the Macarena is probably a better song to choose though. Like now that I, I like thought that's about it, because you can actually do the dance where Barbie girl, mm-hmm. you're just like, let's yeah, go Barbie. Yeah. Let's go party. Let's go Barbie. Let's... Yeah. And then you're crazy within eight hours where the you're Macarena, in... you're actually getting exercise you're and you're chill. doing it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, I like that. I like that. Um, Louis Arias, he's at 400 at the time of this recording. This is his batting average. Will he finish over 370? No. Okay. Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell or Kelly Taylor from Beverly Hills 90210? Uh, Kelly Taylor. Wow. All right. You're in the, you're like a, you're a contrarian. I see. Am I? I, think, oh, I, I feel know, like man. the world, I feel like if you put that up, I, I think it would be like a 64. Whenever I see anything about the 90s, like everybody just seems obsessed. Might be. You're, you might be right. It might be like 80. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the wrong pick. It's your. No, you know, no. I just think I, you know, I just, I prefer. Uh, gentlemen, you like blonde. okay. blondes, you know, okay. I, yeah, I makes sense. Makes sense. Um, rank these three for the rest of season in home runs. Uh, Solaire, he's got 21, uh, Matt Olson, 20, Kyle Schwarber, 20. They're 
from uh, this point I'll say on. Olsen, Schwarber, Soler. Okay. Biggie or Tupac? And please take your West, West Coast. Uh, out of this. You know, East Coast, like, East Coast. So, hey. Yeah. You know, this is funny because I, Biggie or Tupac, I feel like the, the go-to, like everyone always says Biggie, but Tupac was like a legit, like, poet like Tupac was like insanely talented and I not to take anything from Biggie but Biggie was really like I feel like if Biggie would have lived like another 20 years like what did what did Puff Daddy do after like you know after like those that music was so of that moment with Biggie like you know I I feel like I could get shot if I was in bed sty right now saying this but I mean, mm -hmm. Tupac was a far better rapper than Biggie. I mean, Biggie had, Biggie got, by Biggie's second album, he was already repeating rhymes. Like, he was already saying the same yeah. stuff again. That's a good point. Good point. Um, That's a whole nother show, too, by the way. We could, we could talk, we, we could do an hour. We could do a that. show. I've always, you know what I've always found fascinating is how, like, rappers and professional wrestlers of like their lifespan is like 30 years <laughs> younger than everyone. Else. Like the guys we grew up with liking as rappers and pro wrestlers are like, they're dying. They're not living long. All these people. Yeah. All these guys, everyone, like you just like, look them like up. So and many guys, like, like, guy like, like, like guru from Gangstar. I'm like, how did he pass it? Like, why did he die? And he like, had a what? rare illness, I believe, of some sort. I know. And that wasn't yeah, even. No, I, I know. I know. I know why he died. But I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying, like, in the general sense well, of like, and like wrestlers too. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, again, I know why because you know they're doing steroids, but and you know other drugs, a lot of cocaine, and yeah, I mean they didn't live right, but they're also like, man, they are really like just not living long either okay anyway go ahead well I, well i can't actually ask the baseball question next i have to ask my next uh culture question uh, <laughs> and then we'll go two baseballs in a row and because the question is what would what would dave grohl be doing right now if kurt cobain was still alive <laughs> dave dave grohl is like who's a good who's a good comparison with like baseball i'm trying to think of a good oh man uh, I, I don't know. Wally Pip? No, <laughs> Wally Pip. That's funny. No, I think Dave Dave Grohl. This is a very specific Dave Grohl thing too that drives me a little bit nuts. But he's like the the brown noser of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where it's like he goes every year and he introduce and he introduces people and he's like he's such a, a huge like rock and roll nerd that he's now been inducted by like for like three different like times he's been inducted like in like Nirvana and the Foo Fighters I think solo like he's Dave Grohl is like I feel like he's just he knows how to play the game do you if that makes sense yeah. do you know what I mean yeah like, and that and also I mean honestly like if you could I mean you can't even like it's not surprising those. that he went on from Nirvana and he was the one who founded the Foo Fighters because mm -hmm. Like it makes sense if you think about it, because he, it, he feels like the kind of guy who's like, who calls you up and is like, Hey man, let's, uh, you know, you want to go, uh, we got practice in like 20 minutes. You want to go get like a, a, a coffee and let's like, get a smoothie. 
Yeah, like a smoothie. Like it's like Dave Grohl. Give hey, me drink some, up, man. This give is me good some for you. Me good time, for you. bro. Stop being so. <laughs> stop being such a nice guy. You know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and my question was in any way to like kind of put down Dave Grohl. I think my thinking no, I, here i think he's a i think he's a better person than he is a musician and that's I'm a good really, way to put it but i'm really far from like i don't know music outside of rap and mm. i just happen to know that dave Grohl is really big in like the rock and roll hall of fame because i happen to watch like the hbl or now it's max i guess the uh the max induction ceremony so and i know he's always there he's always there like promoting people which is nice i mean that's a nice thing to do but it's like oh come on man <laughs> come on bro <laughs> you know what i have a good rap story for you I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think i've told you this and maybe people don't know either maybe they don't care but by this point they've already i have a, i have a really good rap story but go ahead what's your rap story so it was like i think it was um with my college friends it was like 2007 one of my friends was this like event planner and um, basically, she invited us to this thing where we were going to be part of um, the legendary rapper Rakim and oh, his yeah. sort of posse, where we'd be able to come on stage. And I mean, we're just like you know, a bunch of like young kind of you know white kids for the most part. But we got to also hang out in their area uh, before the event. I forgot this is like at Paramount or some something, some right. random place. It was a smaller event, but they said okay uh, when we arrived like oh here's Ra you know rakim's area they're gonna him and his wife they're gonna come soon uh with some of their friends help yourself you know to whatever you want there were bottles of champagne there were fruits there were all these kind of things so we were young kids we you know helped ourselves um you know started you know pouring champagne drinking whatever and uh rakim comes up you know and and a few of his friends and his wife you know, starts going things like god where's all the where's the champagne basically like like cursed us out for we could drink all the stuff um but anyways they replenished it rather quickly rakim himself was really nice uh and then we just went on stage with him you know like awkwardly kind of dancing in the background so that's my that's my little rakim story <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah nice what's um, yours uh my well i was <laughs> i was hired to write a uh this is so this is so random but i was hired to write a uh like a, a, a music video to go along with the, the release of a song for uh crooked eye who's <laughs> a rapper not, not a famous rapper but he's a rapper and he was in death row records so i remember like i didn't really even know his music at the time so i i like googled him and it, it turned out that he had like this uh like he was the first a crooked eye Crooked eye, yeah. No, no. Did he have a crooked eye? Oh no! He went no, on Google. It was, it was oh, for, really uh, no, eye. it was for. Uh, it, it, he named himself after Saint Ides. Anyway, it's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> but anyway, I googled him, and it was like he had a. He was like the first rapper ever to get out of Death Row Records. Like that was his claim to fame at that point, at least. It was a big I, deal back know. then. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. So anyway. I go to the studio where he's, uh, you know, laying down tracks or whatever. And I'm like, Hey man. So that's crazy about like the, uh, you know, the Suge Knight stuff and everything. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, he starts like, you know, dropping F bombs and he's like, uh, you know, saying all this shit. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, so you don't, you don't see Suge anymore. Uh, and he's like, no, of course I do. He's in the studio next door. I'm like, what am I doing here, man? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
Jeez. <laughs> I was like, yo, I just, yo, cricket. I don't know. I don't remember what I he walks in. Him. He's like, is that that guy that recommended me <laughs> yeah. to take Ryan Ludwig, Ludwig in the third <laughs> I round? I was like, yo, man, I got to get, I think I'm double parked. I'm <laughs> <out of here. laughs> trying to be in the crossfire between you and Shug. <laughs> no, no. During that time, the only, the only way you got out of death row was unfortunately six <laughs> feet under. Getting, yeah, either through the, either through a window or getting shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he hung vanilla. Didn't he hang vanilla yeah, ice? Yeah, like, he hung the, vanilla ice. Yeah. Like yeah. It was story. like, yeah, no, it was insane story. That was, that was one of the guys that, that was a story that, uh cat williams set me up with that with that which i should have known at the time i don't know if you remember when cat williams uh he got he got arrested because he pulled a gun on like his neighbor yeah that was the that was the mo- that was the time when i was working with cat williams <laughs> so i should have known right then not to take job opportunities from cat williams <laughs> like, Dude. No, yeah i never trust a man who named cat who spells it in that way makes sense and then from and and from that that perfectly pivots into my next question zach galen is the current nl cy young winner uh favorite if he falters who's most likely to win is it kershaw wheeler strider else someone else uh kershaw is is gonna i think kershaw beats galen uh galen if uh if kershaw stays healthy i I, it feels like a swan song thing Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I mean, not that I don't like Zach Galen, obviously. I mean, it, all those guys could potentially win it. I don't think, I don't think Wheeler and Strider are, are going to have the ratios that, you know, a lot of like old time Cy Young voters uh, like to look at, but yeah, I mean, I would say Kershaw probably would be my, my, he would be my number one right now, but gallons like if it's Kershaw's one, a, Gallon's probably one B, mm-hmm. and then Strider is a far distant second, mm-hmm. and then Wheeler is behind Strider. My last question to you, and this is a trick because it's an '80s question. These are two of my favorite movies still to this day. Movies keep come and they go, and yeah. none have been able to replace these two. Actually, if you throw Swingers in uh, the John Favreau Vince Vaughn film, that's in my top three. But these are my other two, and I just can't get over them. Uh, but I wanted you to pick one if you had to. It's coming to America. And it's trading place. It's two Eddie Murphy movies. They are both so good. Honestly, it's I know that's why we get along because I feel like those are like two of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time too. Like those are movies that like like when I would go uh, to like studios and like pitch like or meet meet and greets. I'd go like to do meet and greets, and and they would ask me like, what are my favorite movies of all time? Like it would be like Coming to America or Trading Places would be like they would be up there with. Uh, Two of the best. Um, God, man, I miss Eddie Murphy. I mean, I mean, obviously he's still alive, but yeah. I mean, I I miss that Eddie that Murphy. Era. Yeah, you know, like that Eddie Murphy was. God damn it, he's so fucking funny, man. Brilliant. Oh my god, like Delirious or Raw are like so goddamn funny. Like still to this day, like he is brilliant. Like Eddie Murphy is brilliant, honestly. Um, okay, anyway. That was just a stall tactics. I'm going to say trading places. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a, it's an impossible you question. They're you, both... can't, you can't, you can't lose with either though. By the way, two things that I, you probably don't know this. I, I did a few things also, but like on the acting side, I was a kid. I was like 10 years old. I did like a commercial. I was like, you know, in a soap opera, um, like, you know, little bit roles. Uh, but I did start writing. I mean, I was a kid. It's silly stuff. Um, I remember I started writing the script for coming to America too. 
Um, I don't know. I got to maybe like 30 pages and then school started again. <laughs> and then uh, for Back to the Future 4, um, <laughs> I don't even remember what the heck I wrote about, but I remember like I was really into that. So I w- wish I had tapped into that side, but then again, I wouldn't be doing you know, true, articles. True, true story. I have uh, next to my bed, I have a framed picture of Michael J. Fox. I, I love Michael J. Fox too. Oh, <laughs> Back to the Future is like, I just recently watched a documentary about him too. It wasn't as sad as I thought it was going to be. Anyway, uh, Back to the Future is another like brilliant movie. Mm-hmm. I like so many. I like terrible movies. Like, well, not terrible. But is it but, really? But like, it maybe to people now new, you know, no, new I now know. But, but I feel like if you're in Hollywood, like that was the, like especially going like and getting my master's degree, like in grad school, people would be like, "Oh, what's your favorite movie?" I'd be like, "Coming to America, Trading Places." People would be like, "Get out of here." Bro. Yeah. get out of here man trading places like one person's like oh the uh the bicycle thief oh i love raging bull and i'd be like uh trading places <laughs> and i mean and that's also the great robert zemeckis right he did you know oh my god zemeckis, zemeckis is brilliant man like i had a uh one of my film classes was a guy who was good friends with Zemeckis. So we used to make fun of him because everything he would say would be like, Zemeckis told me. That's how he would start everything. It'd be like, Zemeckis yeah. told me. But you know what? It was okay because Zemeckis really, Zemeckis was brilliant. Like Zemeckis is like, some of his work, like For, Forrest Gump, by the way, should not work. <laughs> That's a movie that should not work. It's like, it's a ridiculous movie, but it works because Zemeckis makes it work. Like he, he even made that stupid Polar Express work, and that was like, who cares? A fucking train movie. I don't care, but he made it work. Yeah, anyway. I was trying to explain. We were watching this show on Netflix. Um, what? It's like in its fourth season. It's about a plane that d- it disappeared, and the people came back. Like, <laughs> Are you talking about Lost? <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> It's like the new Lost. I forgot. <laughs> it's a Mexican thing. The, I was trying to explain That would be the funniest bit ever. It'd be like, so we're, we're watching this movie. I mean, excuse me. We're watching this TV show, and it's like, it's about like the uh, the West Wing, and it's got like Martin Sheen. You mean the West Wing? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> lost, bro. No, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of that show either. Yeah, I, uh, I'll remember. It's like the arrival. It's something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It, watch it if you have time, if you can figure out what the hell I'm talking about. This has been great. We we didn't, you know, we, we talked a little baseball. I feel like we've had a string of very like solid uh, baseball, um, you know, deep down guests. And, and you are too, of course, but that's kind of not the reason why I brought you here. I wanted to talk about your history um, in in the world, right? Because it's different than, than so many people's to me. It's all, it's very interesting to hear. As you mentioned, I do think we have a lot of similarities except, you know, differences like you're funny. Uh, but this <laughs> is like, this is so, this is great to me. I, I really enjoy it. And so I uh, wanted to give you the floor for like any final words, things you want to promote of that sort. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I think if you're listening to this, you probably know all of, uh, all the stuff that we have over at Razzball, like the Streaminator and the Hittertron and the Player Raider. I, you know, it's like I, I'm terrible at promotion. I, I think if you're interested, if you like what you've heard and you don't know Razzball, just go to Razzball and, you know, give us a shot. Perfect. Perfect. And dude, this is great. Um, 
yeah, we got to do more like non. Uh, we could just like talk nineties. This 80s reminded me of this reminded me of like there was a brief period during twenty twenty when people would do podcasts that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with baseball. Yeah, this <laughs> is gorgeous. Yeah, do you remember that the pa- the pandemic mm-hmm. podcast? You go back and you listen to some of those, and it's like. I we had on like like uh, at the time it was me and Jeff we were doing the Rasball one and we'd have we had on like rappers <laughs> we had we had rappers on the talk we had other like people on that had nothing to do with like baseball like I I think I had like I don't even remember I mean I had just- you I had you guys on too remember we did like a live stream show <laughs> and we talked about like yeah. life and history and- yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like you know, that's what this felt like a little bit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully people weren't completely bored. But yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, this is not uh, not boring at all. But if you're here for, to to learn anything about baseball, maybe you got a few nuggets there. Just know Clinton Kershaw most likely going to win the uh, the NL Cy Young. Uh, Cy Young yeah, on yeah. I, I was also I was surprised you skipped over the 12th pick for 2024. You skipped over that question. I was, Whoa. I was ready. I was ready to give you. Crap oh, about that. I, let's do it. No, no, no. We have to. Let, let's I was ready to give this. you crap about that because, okay, read your question. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. If you had I'm to, sending, right I'm, now, sending you, I'm sending you up right now to give you crap, but go ahead, read it. Okay. Right now, if you had to pick, you're, you got the 12th overall pick and for next year's draft, it's five by five roto. You have to choose one of Julio Rodriguez and Corbin Carroll. Which one of those two are you taking? There is no way either of those guys are making it to pick 12. <laughs> There's no way. I just had to throw out a number. Literally okay, not going to happen, dude. It's not going to happen. Julio I... might. Julio might. If he continues like basically doing kind of being like, it, Julio, it's that instinct. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is so good, bro. Yes. He's so good. There's no but if way. he doesn't return no first way. or second okay. round value. Okay. So, okay. So Julio Rodriguez maybe has a shot. This is uh, this is like uh, recency bias, though, that I think trips up a lot of people. Of course. It, it trips up me, too, by the way. But it trips up so many people. Like, I was thinking today, like, how, like, a clinic, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Kalenic, um in April, people were like, the breakout is here. And now it's like, uh, should I drop him? <laughs> like, yeah, even though I thought in April – the breakout was here. I thought it, I thought it was happening, but it shows you like when you get like with recency bias, you see this. So like right now you're saying Julio Rodriguez, it could be there at 12 and he could, I guess, technically, but I feel like he's going to have a huge second half and he's going to be a top three pick again. Corbin Carroll is going to be a top, like both of these guys, if they make it out of the top five, I'm, I'll be shocked to be honest, but if they're both there at pick 12, which I don't think they will be, I'll say Corbin Carroll a little bit. Maybe a Corbin Carroll just a hair more interesting because of the speed, but I love both of them. Julio's I mean, fast Julio, too. if, if Julio Rodriguez crazy. and Corbin Carroll are there at pick 12, I'm saying I'm taking both. I'm going, me, I'm gobbling them up. I'm doing a gobble. I'm, I'm gobbling them up. <laughs> And that's the thing. If Julio Rodriguez just kind of <laughs> continues to sort of Peter patter for the remainder of the season, which is unlikely and just ends up like a third round value or whatever, there's going to be like this little bit of a bias where his ADP will be like, you know, it won't be 
first round. It'll be like, okay, there's so many other good players we want. We'll make them a second rounder. And then all of our articles will start coming out. Why Julio Rodriguez is really a first rounder. Exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing that drives me crazy though. Cause I, I mean, I could do a whole podcast. I could do an hour and a half. Just talk about ADP because you get into a situation where people are like, wow, I can't believe Julio Rodriguez is going at 25 overall. And then you see that person's rankings and they have them ranked at 25. You're like, well, why are, you, why are you ranking him at 25 if, you, if you're surprised he's going at 25? It's like he's going at 25 because that's where you've ranked him. Rank him at 10 if you think he's worth 10. Like, oh, If you're going by ex-Woba alone, you know, like, why draft like Julio Rodriguez uh, in like the second round like, yeah. when you can draft Jorge Mateo <laughs> in the 20th? That was like with your Taylor Ward thing. with uh, Like, you love Taylor Ward coming into the year. I did too, by the way. I wrote a sleeper post. I love Taylor Ward. So I'm not, yeah, yeah, well, I'm were, not bagging well. on you. Like, I, I totally love Taylor yeah. Ward. And I still think he could be good, by the way. Oh, by the way, if he's I'm ba- not, by the way, if he's I, I bad, give it up on Taylor. Hold Ward. on, hold on. If, if he's bad, you wrote it first. Remember? You, <laughs> yeah, don't, let's not forget that. I did. You, you, I you did write it first. first. Yeah, no, I love Taylor Ward. But anyway, it, it was. It's like uh, Taylor Ward is. This is the problem, actually, I have with sleepers. And maybe you can have me on again in the off season. We can talk about sleepers because I'll say, like, I love Taylor Ward. I think he's a quote unquote sleeper. And I'm ranking him at 80 overall. Well, he's no longer a sleeper at 80 overall, by the way. So now it's like, but his ADP is 110. Well, yeah, I like him more than 110. That's why I ranked him before that. Like, that's always like, that always trips me up because people are like, hey, uh, hey, Gray, uh, hey, handsome face and everything. But uh, I got a question for you. Why uh, exactly are you ranking Taylor Ward so high? Should I draft him at 80 or should I wait until his ADP at 130? I was like, I don't know. Just draft him. I don't know. Just get him. Just get him. And, you know, by the way, you probably should have not got him. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oops. No, no, there's still, I'm, no. I'm, dude, I'm no, there's holding. There's plenty of time. Holding, there's plenty there's of time. Be, I still love him. I still love him. There's going to be this like three week stretch of just like loveliness where he's just like the, you know, the poster boy. They're going to consider him like on MLB the show 25. I mean, it's going to be a big, big deal. Uh, Speaking of big deals, people are going to be like, okay, Julio Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll, or Taylor Ward? (laughs) Which one? I mean, come on. I'm telling you, it's the real deal here. Uh, Great. Thank you so much again for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. I wish you best of luck in the, the remainder of uh, of our fantasy season here. All right. uh, for Rasball's Gray Albright, I'm Vlad Sedler. This is the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.